You're listening to episode 139 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is traveling to the manger based on Luke chapter 2. Hi, my name is Sarah and I have a background in theology and a love for travel. Having visited nine different countries and served in five congregations, I wanted to create an environment that discusses and encourages the overlap of my two favorite things, the Lord and travel. And if you have a passion for these things or wanting to learn how God is such an integral part of our daily adventures, then you've come to the right place. Today's topic is traveling to the manger based on Luke chapter 2. As Christmas is this week, I thought I would take a break from the Bible verses that we have been studying and jump to the Christmas story. If you've been following along with us, you know that we've been looking at times in Scripture that use the word journey. And while there are definitely other stories that involve travel, including the Christmas story, we are currently still in the Old Testament looking at some of those, but today we're going to jump to Christmas story and maybe take a look at it from a traveler's perspective. So I hope that you will be joining us and hopefully reading along in your Bibles as well. But before I dive into this Bible story, I want to take a moment and ask you a little bit about some of your Christmas and family traditions. In our family, on Christmas Eve, we always do a fish fry and oyster soup. Many of the kids don't really enjoy the oyster soup, but it grows on you over the years. Um, And then we are a family that open our Christmas presents traditionally on Christmas Eve. It's different now that we're adults and we've moved out of our home. But that was kind of one of my favorite childhood memories was we'd go to the Christmas Eve service and we'd light our candles, sing songs, drive around for a little bit um, to look at Christmas lights. When we came home, we'd all sit down and it was like a four hour ordeal. Not that we had that many presents to open, but when you open a gift, you go and you hug the person, you thank them. We pull out one gift per person at a time, and everyone goes around, opens it, and then we do it again and again and again until everything under the tree is gone. And then us kids stay up all night playing with our toys, and Dad has to stay up putting them together, and usually it's a pretty late night, early morning by the time we go get a few hours of sleep and woke up to play with them some more. Again, that's different now that we're adults, but... Um, those are some of those beloved and treasured moments surrounding the Christmas tradition. Um, and while the presents are not the most important thing about Christmas, there is a spirit of giving. Jesus came and the Lord gave us salvation through him. And so there is that spirit of giving. And I always enjoy coming up with some unique gifts for friends and family, especially things that aren't on their list. I know a lot of people will shop directly off a Christmas list, but I like taking those things and going, okay, I know enough about this person and I can use this list list to come up with something unique and creative that they'll still enjoy, but they maybe didn't think to ask for. So those 
That's kind of my Christmas tradition. But now we are looking at Luke chapter 2 at the story of Jesus' birth. And looking at the Gospels and what we know of the Christmas story, we know that an angel went and saw Mary, told her that she would be with the child, and she asked how because she was a virgin. The angel told her the Holy Spirit would come upon her and she would be pregnant. In that day and time, she was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, a carpenter. And when she started to show um, and he realized that this is a thing, he, rather than divorcing her, which would have led to her being stoned to death, he decides to divorce her quietly. And that same night, an angel comes to him in a dream and says that Mary hasn't cheated on him. And in fact, this child is a child of the Lord. So he agrees to stay with her and to not have sex with her until this child is born and then to officially marry her after that point. But around this time, Caesar Augustus says we need to have a census. And so they all the people were required to go back to the home of their ancestors, which for Joseph was King David uh, from the Old Testament. So they had to travel to Bethlehem, and little does the rest of the world know. But King Herod, who will, will end up slaughtering several babies trying to kill and find Jesus, has inadvertently caused the start of this new season when Jesus is here on earth. Because Old Testament says that this baby would be born in Bethlehem. So Mary and Joseph travel on foot across the wilderness from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And when they get there, there's so many people there that there is no room to be hospitable. There's no room for a pregnant lady to give birth. There is no room in the inn. So they end up in a manger, and the definition of a manger, it ranges. Um, A lot of people like to think of it as a cave. Some people think of it more as a stable. But a lot of times, the shepherds would keep their flocks and herds in caves. So it likely was a cave, but we don't know for sure. Either way, it would have been dank and smelly and dark, and yet this is where our savior of the world is born. And shortly after he's born, the angels who have known since <laughs> since Adam and Eve sinned and God promised that a savior would come, they knew that they should be anticipating this, this birth. One of these angels comes out and he's like, don't be afraid. We have really good news to tell you. And suddenly there's a great multitude We don't know if that's hundreds or thousands or maybe even millions of angels. Tell the shepherds that a baby has been born in a manger and they can find him wrapped in swaddling claws laying in a manger. Swaddling claws, what I think of is, you know, like a cloth diaper kind of situation or, you know, just bundled up to keep warm. But traditionally, it was strips of fabric that they would use along with salt water and sometimes oil to clean a baby um, and show that tender care to make sure that they are safe as they enter this world in a sanitary way, especially important in a stable or manger. So 
So the the angels tell them this great news. And then the shepherds go and they they witness this thing and then they go and they proclaim it to everyone. But what I want to focus on today is the fact that Jesus is born and the first people that get to find out aside from Mary and Joseph is the shepherds. These shepherds were considered fairly lowly. They were they were not high standing in society. They were farmers, kind of outcasts because they lived among the sheep. They smelled and and they were just they smelled like sheep. They smelled like they'd been in the wilderness. They they worked long hot days in the sun and sweated a lot like there was nothing too pleasant about the aroma of a shepherd and their mannerisms maybe even they just weren't highly regarded however what we know from the old testament is that the israelites the jews had certain rules that god had given them and one of them was that they had to make sacrifices of sheep for their sins So these shepherds, though lowly, were important because they had to take care of these animals that would someday become a sacrifice. So when I think and wonder about why the shepherds were the first ones to find out, these are some things that come to mind. The first thing is that they would understand the significance of Jesus. They understood that this baby was going to be a sacrifice promised from in the Old Testament scripture, but this baby was going to be a sacrifice and they had witnessed time and time again the slaughtering of their beloved sheep that they had cared for and wandered with. And they knew that there was going to be heartache, but there was also going to be so much more forgiveness from their savior the one promised to come. And so this gave them a huge hope. So they could see the significance. The second thing is that Jesus is, in Isaiah, referred to as a shepherd. He's referred, and we humans are referred to as his flocks, who tend to wander. And so as shepherds, they had to leave their home to be with the sheep. And in the same way, Jesus is leaving heaven to come to earth to be with us, his sheep. So they could see that connection. And then the the third thing is the sheep learn to trust their shepherds. They spent so much time with their sheep that the sheep knew their voices. It's in sheep's nature not to trust. But the shepherds spent basically 24-7 with these sheep. And so... These sheep knew them and and recognized them. And so Jesus, when we spend time with him, we get to know his voice through scripture. But they were getting to meet baby Jesus, the savior of the world, their shepherd. And then the fourth thing is that the shepherds experienced what the sheep experienced. So if the sheep were outside and it was raining or it was sweltering hot, or freezing cold, they were out there with their sheep. They got to experience the uncomfortability of nature, and if wild animals came, they were right there with them. In the same way Jesus came to earth 
and experience the temptations that we experience. He understands so much of what this world is like to be tempted by Satan day in and day out. And so I think the reason that the shepherds were told first is because Jesus, their shepherd, their savior, had come to earth. And to truly understand that significance, you had to be someone that was rejected, who is living among sheep, who is who is living what Jesus came to earth to live. And so when they see these angels, they're afraid, but then they go and they see the Savior and they are overcome with joy. They go tell everyone because they come from a really unique perspective of understanding. They come from being a shepherd themselves, proclaiming about a greater shepherd, the one who will save all who believe. So what does this mean for us as travelers? Well, the shepherds went through unique circumstances that made them prepared to share this good news. And the circumstances in which you walk through in your travels, in how you respond to different events, makes you equipped to share the good news as well. And Christ recognizes you and sees that value in you. And that is why he comes to you day in and day out to encourage and equip you to share your testimony about him. And sometimes we can get inside of our heads and think, oh, my trip to the grocery store or my trip to whatever is so insignificant. I mean, the shepherds probably thought that them walking with their flocks was insignificant or them going to a manger with a baby though aroused by unique circumstances like the angels, that would have been a normal walk to take their sheep into a manger. But yet this walk was different because it had a purpose and a a proclamation attached to it. And so your journey, wherever life is taking you right now, it does have purpose and it does have a meaning. And so I just want you to take a moment to just really reflect where you're at in life right now and the rejection, the hardships, the trials that you have gone through, just like the shepherds, is going to be used to proclaim who God is in a way that only you can do, that is unique to your circumstances and your life story. So don't lose heart. Don't give in to the doubt and and the labels that world the world puts on you rejected unlovable unworthy those are not the words of the lord he chose you he has a purpose for you and you are his would you pray with me dear lord thank you so much for these travelers thank you for sending your son to travel to earth to be our light and our salvation. Thank you for the shepherds who, though the world thought lowly and rejected, were the perfect example to teach us what it truly means to be the Savior, to come into a world of of sheep who get distracted so easily. Help us to recognize in the midst of our lowly moments 
that you are using us and that our stories have a purpose. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, Christian Traveler, I do have a closing thought and question. But first, I want to share some important news. First of all, January 15th, we are hosting our first ever Christian Traveler virtual event. This is an opportunity for you to connect with Christians from around the globe through virtual meetings and to hear from four amazing speakers. The theme for the event will be how God is using your travel story. Similar to how the Lord is using the shepherd's travel story, God is using travel stories of individuals from around the world. You'll have the opportunity to hear other travel stories, but also get to share your own. One of our speakers is Esther Fan from Melbourne, Australia. She'll be talking about how you can make connections on the road and how you can better establish a community while on the road. You won't want to miss this, so make sure you go to christiantravelers.net to register now. Please help us out by spreading the word and sharing this with as many friends and family as you know, maybe even your own home congregation. That would be so awesome. There are so many people who love to travel, not just for Christmas, but for vacations and other trips too. And this is going to be an opportunity for them to make those kind of international connections that they wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to do otherwise. So please, again, head to our website, register. We're so excited to see you there. January 15th, 1 to 6.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll see you there. But my closing thought and question is this. When the shepherds came, Mary treasured up these things in her heart. Do you treasure the moments when God brings people into your life, these these complete strangers, these shepherds came to see baby Jesus. I don't know about you, but it, when I give birth to my first child, I'm going to want family and friends there, but complete strangers? I don't know about that. But they came, they told the story of what the angels said, and Mary treasured that in her heart. And when we look at our travels with a a mindset that there is something to treasure in every moment, we will be so much more thankful and have such a more worshipful heart. And then one of the characters in this story that we indirectly talked about was the sheep the shepherds were watching that night. The angels came and appeared to the shepherds, but the sheep were there too. And the sheep probably could have been easily startled and and the shepherds maybe had to round them back up. Or maybe the Lord in in his infinite wisdom chose to keep the sheep calm and the shepherds alone were frightened by these angels. But in either way, the sheep were there trusting their shepherds to keep them safe. And that was from a deep and intimate relationship that they had formed over time. How about you? What does your deep and intimate relationship look with the Lord, our Savior and Shepherd? Are you investing time into that relationship to grow and understand his voice and hear him clearer? Or are you going through life and only calling upon him when you need help?
when you've strayed too far and become hurt too much. He listens to us in all times and circumstances, and he certainly does want you to call on him for help. But he is right there with you in every step of the journey and the seasons and everything in between. So take some time in this Christmas season to really spend time with your shepherd. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And until next time, safe travels and God bless.